In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Out of a desire to love our neighbor well and to protect the vulnerable among us from the spread of this awful virus that's ravaging our city, our state, our nation, and our world, we have continued to suspend in-person worship and instead are worshiping via podcast. We are worshiping at a time when people are divided in America. We are worshiping at a time when, when people are of two minds about who should be in charge of our country. But what we are not in two minds about is the lordship of Jesus Christ. And followers of Jesus are citizens of the kingdom of God first and foremost. And any other allegiances we have fall under that. Any worship we have is given only to Christ, the risen one. And so as we worship this morning, we submit all of our divisiveness. We submit all of our worry, all of our fear, all of our anxiety we even submit all of our joy, all of our triumph, all of our elation. We submit all of that to Jesus. Because if Jesus truly is our Lord, then all of that only gets sorted out the right way if we give it to Jesus. So as we worship this morning, we place all of this at the feet of Jesus. And we ask Jesus to help us know what to do with it as the days go on, and we offer everything to our Lord in prayer and in community with one another. We are glad you are listening this morning. Uh, we have a special message uh, from Jeannie Vance on behalf of the Mission Committee. I consider it a tremendous blessing to be placed in this congregation by God because this congregation is so giving and caring. And on behalf of the Missions Committee, I thank you so much for your giving. Now officially it's $1,086, but I know that it is more than that. And I thank you so very much. And the World Missions Thank you so much. There are so many needs out there. Thank you for your giving. Thank you, Jeannie. And we are grateful that our church is not just seeking to live into the kingdom of God in Oregon City, but is also to, to seeking to support kingdom efforts around the world. Two other notes for you this morning. Next Sunday, the 15th of November, we are going to, to be engaging in an experiment called curbside communion. Uh, we, we will have communion in the, we'll celebrate the Lord's table in podcast worship next week, um, but for a different option at 11.30 in place of our Zoom coffee hour, um, we will be lining up on 9th Street. Uh, here next to the church, and, uh, and receiving communion uh, car by car. The instructions are in the Friday email that we sent out on Friday uh, that was 
Friday, the 6th of November. If you did not receive that email or would like to know more about curbside communion, um, please make sure you email the church at baptist.church at comcast.net. And it will be from 11.30 to 12.30 on Sunday, November 15th, curbside communion. Also coming up this week, on Wednesday, it is going to be Veterans Day, and on the second Sunday of every month anyway, we release a, uh, a special podcast for, called A Prayer for Our Country, and you know, we usually do it in worship, but since we're worshiping via podcast, we've done it as a separate uh, episode, I guess you would say, uh, a separate track of our podcast. And it will be a prayer for our country, for our veterans, uh, and for uh, the people who are serving in the United States military. So make sure you check that out. It will be wherever you're listening right now, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any other podcast service. Uh, it will be out Wednesday morning. So make sure you listen for that. We are glad you are worshiping with us this morning. And if there's any way that we can lift you up in prayer, please don't hesitate to call or email the church, and we will be glad to pray with you this week. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. We come before you to praise and give glory to your holy name. Lord, we maintain our hope in you and hold unto the assurance that what we are praying for is already accomplished in the name of Jesus. Your word promises no good thing does he withhold from those that walk uprightly. We wait upon you for your definition of the good thing you will not withhold from us. As David prayed in Psalm 18.1, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom we can take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. We can lift our prayer request to him and be assured that he will hear answer us according to his will. I lift up those who are sick or are having chemotherapy or radiation treatments. Lord, thank you for your greatness. Thank you that when I am weak, you are strong. You can ease their pain. Lord, I pray that you will give each one a measure of your strength so, they may, they, so that they might not give in to discouragement or doubt, Lord. You are the great healer and have the power to heal them if it be your will. Be with all those who have other prayer requests. You know each request, and as you answer, that we would follow the leading of the Holy Spirit with the plan he has for each of our lives. I lift up young church to you, Lord. Be with these young people as they diligently seek you. There is much frustration in this chaotic world. They are tempted at every turn. I ask as these young people reach out to Melissa, Ashley, and Sherry, that the Holy Spirit will use them to counsel them and share the love of Jesus with them. Many of us have friends, neighbors, co-workers that we are concerned about. I pray for each of their prayer requests 
and that you will answer according to your will. I thank you that you placed it upon our hearts to support our missionaries. We exceeded our goal, and we ask that these funds be used to help them spread the good news to those who need to hear it. We are all affected by the pandemic still. Maybe frustration is creeping in and manifesting itself as fear. I pray that Jesus will help you to love and trust him more than you do at this moment. As your love grows for him, develop your trust in him so that the last thing that you even think about doing is expressing fear or anxiety about your circumstances. As any loving father only allows what is best for his children, so you are only allowing what is best for us. Help us to love you all the more because your word says you are a loving father. We know that nothing touches us that hasn't first passed through your loving hands. Increase our love for you daily, and may our love increase your delight in how we are responding in this situation. Be with Pastor John today as he teaches on loving our neighbor. May the Holy Spirit inspire him as he preaches your word. And as always, may our podcast be a blessing to all those who hear it. In your precious name, amen.
And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. You're my one defense, my righteousness. to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believe him and accept him, he gave the right to become children of God. So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, 
but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us. We have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the fields and their crops burst out with joy. Let the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming. He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with justice and the nations with his truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Our scripture reading for today comes from the book of Mark, chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. And as usual, I will be reading from the New Living Translation, but you can follow along in whatever Bible you have access to. But here is Mark, chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The teacher of religious law replied, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all of the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. Realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A question for you this morning, a thought experiment. Excluding people from our church family. So, so we're going to put our, our church family over, over to the side for a second. Uh, and, and by church family, uh, I'm meaning people who are part of the First Baptist Church of Oregon City family. And you may, have, have, may not have ever set foot in our church, but thanks to podcast worship being available to everyone, you may now consider yourself a part of, the, of a church family that you've, you've never met before, and that's okay. Um, but, but put your church family to the side for a second. And I want you to think about who the people are in your neighborhood. Who are the people that you consider to be your neighbors? The people maybe who live near you? Maybe they're the people who, uh, who you see on a regular basis? You know, maybe your friendly United States Postal Service delivery person is, is a neighbor. Maybe, um, you know, maybe somebody at the, you, you see the same checkout person at the grocery store, and that's your neighbor. But who would you think of when you think of who your neighbors are? Who are they? How did you get to know them? Why do you continue to care for these people? Do, do you consider these people people that you care about? Who don't you know in your neighborhood? Where are those gaps? And as I started thinking about this, I, I kind of jotted out a quick list of, uh, of you know, just over a dozen people that I, I thought of right off the top of my head as neighbors, you know, people in our apartment complex, uh, people at, the, uh, at my favorite lunch takeout in downtown Oregon City. I mean, of, of course, now it's takeout. Uh, you, you once were able to eat there, but that's okay. When, you know, time's coming around again, I hope. Uh, <laughs> and so, so I, I had all these people down. There's, there's a guy named Sam that I've been getting to know uh, because I walk to, to, to church a lot when I, I need to be in the office, and, um, and I'll admit, it's easier to take the elevator than it is to walk up the hill. So I cheat. I, I use the elevator. And Sam is the person who stands outside the elevator and counts how many people. And so I, I have a friendly little conversation with Sam, and now he's part of my neighborhood. So, okay, we have our, our neighbors over here. Now I want you to think about your relationship with God. And I want you to think about what are the things that sustain your relationship with God? You know, is it prayer? Is it worship? Maybe you, you sing hymns or, or praise songs as you're sweeping the floor, doing the dishes, changing the sheets, you know, whatever. What, what fuels your relationship with God? And now I want you to think about this question. Does our love for our neighbors reflect our love for God? This is the question that Jesus deals with from this teacher of the religious law. We kind of are jumping in here in the middle of the story. 
And every time we, we come to this passage in, in Mark chapter 12, um, it's, it's nice to have the little headings in your Bible, if your Bible has those headings, uh, because it kind of breaks it up a little bit and helps you find things easier. But on the other hand, it's unhelpful because this is kind of the middle of the story. Jesus has been arguing with the Sadducees, which were a group of people who were sad, you see. No, that's, that's an old church camp uh, song. Um, but they were kind of sad in one way of looking at it because they denied the possibility of a resurrection. Resurrection is not a exclusively Christian idea. It did not originate with Jesus, but we now know what the resurrection is in its fullness because of Jesus. But the Sadducees says, no, no, this, this is not a thing that's going to happen. And Jesus has just soundly defeated them in argument, has, has given a definitive answer about the resurrection. And having heard this, another teacher uh, of the religious law decides to ask Jesus a question. And the question is what the greatest commandment is. Jesus doesn't just give him one commandment, he gives him two. Of course, he gives one first and foremost. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. First commandment, greatest importance. This comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, and it is the foundational prayer of the Jewish faith. It's called the Shema. And Shema is the word here, and the, the first two words are Shema Yisrael, and I never had to take Hebrew in seminary, so I can't get too much farther than that. But it means, hear, O Israel. And that's what Jesus says. Listen, O Israel. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. That's the first that's the first part of the Shema, and it continues on from there. And he says, this is the greatest commandment. But this, then he says something very curious, that the second one is equally as important. And I got to admit, I read this passage a ton in my life, but it wasn't until a few years ago that I picked up that phrase, equally important. Because what Jesus is saying is, now hang on, because what I just said is the most important commandment, but what I'm about to say is of equal importance, and it is to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, no other commandment is greater than these. And when we think about loving your neighbor as yourself, we've heard that so many times. If you've grown up in church or been around the church uh, or been around scripture for any time at all, we've heard that before. This commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. Yes, it, it all sounds very nice. We like ourselves, most of us. I have my days. But we like ourselves and we want Scripture is telling us to treat other people with the love that we have for ourselves or that we want for ourselves. And when we really consider where that love comes from, 
it, it comes from our relationship with God. Because the closer we draw to God, the nearer we are to our creator, to the lover of our being, to the one who guides our steps, the more we know who we are and how we are beautifully made by God. We can't truly love ourselves without understanding who we are in the eyes of God. Because we as humanity tend to go to one side and focus on, oh yeah, like we're, we're pretty good, we're not that bad. And, and we may even think far more of ourselves than we ought to. Maybe we think that we, we can do no wrong. Maybe our, our, our mom spent our childhood telling us that we were special. And so we have this inflated view of ourselves. And, and so we carry that into adulthood. And that has a particular effect on who we are. And maybe there's the other end of the spectrum where no one told us that we had any value or we were explicitly told you have no value. And so we don't see that there's anything good about us. We just see that we're these depraved husks of flesh that have to be fed and bathed regularly. And both of those are distortions because in the middle, the, the truth of the whole thing is that we are beautifully created by God who loves us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, as the psalmist tells us. We are broken because we are born into a broken world that does not yet recognize the lordship of Christ in its fullness. But we are still beautifully and wonderfully made. And so in Jesus' words here, we see that our identities and our ability to love our neighbor comes from our ability to love God. And the teacher of the religious law is stunned, impressed with Jesus' answer, and, and he says, well said, which is a, a very high compliment, just doesn't sound like it to us. He says, well said, and then repeats it, but then goes on to say, this is more important than to offer all of the burnt offerings and sacrifice required in the law. And at that time, that was a big thing to say. That was a huge statement for this teacher of the religious law. Because he knew the law, he knew all of these sacrifices and all of these offerings and all of the requirements that were expected of God's people up to that point. And as an expert, he knew what needed to be done and how these things needed to be followed and carried out and all of this. And here he is saying that these two things are more important than all of the rest of that. And for him to say that these two things are more important, he's making a statement about the temple. The temple was the place where God's presence was supposed to have been dwelling, where heaven met earth. It was a place where the two came together. 
And prior to the exile, the, the prophet Ezekiel saw the glory of the Lord leave the temple. And one of the, the things that they, the people were expecting and hoping for, exile was over. They had rebuilt the temple. They, they had expanded the temple grounds. And what they were hoping for was the glory of the Lord to return to the temple for the time when God would come and dwell among his people. And when God came to dwell among his people, there would be no need for the, the sacrifices and the offerings and everything like that because God was there. Well, this teacher has said, this expert has said, loving God and loving your neighbor is more important than any of the offerings. And Jesus says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And everyone's amazed. And why are they amazed? Because what Jesus is saying in response to this man's proclamation is that you're almost there. Because it's more important to offer love for God and love for neighbor to understand this than to offer the sacrifices and the offerings because when we do that, we are embodying the very life of God in our world. Because we are loving God, and that love spills out, that love overflows to the people around us. It's about relocating the temple. It's about saying that, that the worship of the living God is not just here in this building, at this place, in this time, and that we're, expect, we're expecting it to be in this one place at this one time, but rather the worship of God expands out anywhere we go, whether we're home or away, whether we're in our backyard or at the grocery store or missionaries in foreign fields. The life of God is in all of those places. But what the, the, the teacher was missing, that one, he says, you're, you're not, Jesus said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. But what the teacher was missing was Jesus. That's what he was missing. Because the presence of Jesus is with us wherever we go and live out this loving God and loving our neighbor life. We have to have that presence of Jesus because Jesus was a walking temple. He was the God-man. He was where heaven and earth came together. And now he reigns over all of heaven and earth in heaven. But wherever we go in the name of Jesus, Christ is present with us to live out this life. But we have to have both things. And there's a temptation. We have to have the love of God. We have to have the love of neighbor. And we have to have Jesus. Because if we knock off any one of these three things, then we kind of miss the point. If we just love God, but don't have love for our neighbor, then we just have this quiet piety and we become stagnant. 
there, there's a lot of things that I, I believe in or that I'm a fan of or that I, um, that I hold as, as important to myself. Um, you know, I, I would say I support Fulham Football Club or the Cincinnati Reds or any number of, you know, things like that. Um, I have my favorite movies. I have my favorite songs. You know, I, I, I have those things. And it's good for me and, and anybody who has a favorite sports team or whatever, that's fine. But if you never told anybody about that this was your favorite sports team or you never talked about it or it never came up, who cares? It's, it's, it's just something that you kind of hold within. And if you never watched a game or, or anything like that, what does it matter if you say you're a fan of, of this team all you want to if you're not participating with them? When we say we love God, but that love never makes it outward from our lives, when we just see it as, as a personal relationship with Jesus, if that's all we ever see is a personal relationship with God that we have and it's separated off, it's just another identity that we have, then our faith becomes stagnant. Our faith is, is like the Dead Sea that doesn't have anything, any way for, for water to get out. Water comes into the Dead Sea through rain, but there's, no, there's nothing else that feeds it. It's just dead. And so it's very salty, and at some point, should, should the world last that long, the Dead Sea will dry up because it's stagnant. We have to have an outlet. We have to understand that loving our neighbor is essential to our love for God. But if we, if we leave God out of the equation, if we leave God out of the equation and all we have is loving our neighbor then we're just do-gooders. And there's nothing wrong with being a do-gooder. I would rather people try to do good things in the world than, than try to do evil in the world, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that, except that's not what we're supposed to be as followers of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, <clears throat> we are citizens of a kingdom that is the truest reality of this world, and everything we do ought to build for that kingdom. There's a lot of good things that you can do, but are they building for the kingdom or are they just interesting ways to occupy your time <clears throat> and to make you feel better about yourself? When we build for the kingdom, we don't just look at a problem like people experiencing homelessness and just try to make sure that they've got a place to sleep for the night. We ask, why are they experiencing homelessness? And we, we try to figure out what is the root cause of this, what is broken in our world that people are not complete, that they're not whole. 
because I can, I can buy tents all day. I can buy tarps until I run out of money. But it's not going to change the fact that there's something in our world that's churning out people from their homes and from, from the, the, the possibility of, of having a, a safe, comfortable place to lay their head at night. And so if, we, if we're just loving our neighbor and we don't have the love of God in our hearts and we don't have this vision of the kingdom in mind, then that's kind of a chasing after the wind as well. But when we bring it all together and we do this in the name of Jesus, when we fully realize that love that we have for God and we let that overflow out into every part of us, then that's where heaven meets earth. That's where we live out that line from the Lord's prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's where that comes into practice. Because wherever Jesus went, heaven met earth. And if we love God, and out of that love for God want to love our neighbor, and do love our neighbor, then that's where heaven meets earth. But then there's something that I haven't even mentioned yet. Because when we love our neighbor out of our love for God, it helps us to understand God better. It helps us to see the heart that God has, the love that God has for humanity, that the love that God has for the world that he created, and it helps us understand God better. It helps us understand love better, and it helps us understand ourselves better. And this whole time, as I say us and we, yes, there's absolutely a personal aspect to this, but it also goes for our church. Because we do this as God's people. And there's a temptation to want to, to do this from a top-down way. There's a temptation to think that this sort of change, this sort of, of loving God, loving your neighbor, work, building for the kingdom happens from a place of power that then dictates how this is going to happen. And we've tried that, and it doesn't work. And that's never the way that Jesus does it. Because it starts with a group of people who realize their love for God and recognize their neighbor. And out of their love for God, they want to love their neighbor. And out of their love for neighbor, they build for the kingdom in the name of Jesus. And that is how the kingdom is realized in our world. That's why Jesus says these are the two most important commandments. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because it creates, for lack of a better term, an ecosystem of flourishing. 
an ecosystem of love and grace and mercy and the presence of Jesus, and we call that ecosystem the kingdom because it's where God's love flows in and it flows into us and it flows freely out of us as love for our neighbor and gets returned back to God as worship so that then through worship we can realize our love for God and let that love for God flow out to our neighbor and the whole cycle starts all over again. This is the kingdom, and these are the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God, and love your neighbor as yourself. shepherd I shall not want in green pastures he makes me lie down he restores my soul and leads me on for his name for his great name surely goodness Surely mercy right beside me all my days and I will dwell in your house forever and bless your holy name you prepare a table right before me in the presence of my enemies though the arrow flies and the terror of night is at my door i'll trust you lord surely goodness surely mercy right beside me all my days and I will dwell in your house forever and bless your holy name even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are on my side. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are on my side surely goodness 
surely mercy right beside me all my days and I will dwell in your house forever and bless your holy name and I will dwell in your house forever and bless your holy Let's pray together. O oh God, whose blessed Son came into the world, that he might destroy the works of the devil and make us children of God and heirs of eternal life, grant that, having this hope, we may purify ourselves as he is pure, that when he comes again with power and great glory, we may be made like him in his eternal and glorious kingdom where he lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. We are glad that you have worshipped with us this morning. We are glad that you have sung with us and prayed with us and read God's word with us and heard it proclaimed. Don't forget next Sunday, November the 15th from 1130 to 1230, we will be having curbside communion on 9th Street. Uh, again, more information on that in your Friday email, or you can contact the church. Remember this week to love God and love your neighbor. I want to thank Melissa Mellinger, our Director of Worship and Youth, for leading us in music. I'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for leading us in prayer. I'd like to thank Jeannie Vance for our prelude this morning. I'd like to thank Katie Witham for leading the First Baptist Church readers. And I'd like to thank Gary and Doreen Hunley, our audio engineers, for making everything sound good. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands.